Thanks to Hello Monday from LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. Hello Monday is a new podcast from LinkedIn's editorial team about how to get the most from Monday and your career. Find Hello Monday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Uh, today is Wednesday, March the 27th, and we're talking healthcare. I am your host, Shannon Jones. I'm joined via Skype by healthcare guru Todd Campbell. Todd, how are you? Doing well, Shannon. Looking forward to today's show. I've been so excited. Of course, anytime biotech news drops, it's always like the day after we re- record an episode. Um, so I was beating myself up with all the news that's been happening because I was like, oh, we should have gotten this in last week. But it just made me more excited for this week, Todd. Today's show for our listeners is all about a big old pipeline blow up. Uh, we've also got some gene therapy MA news. And we're going to be breaking down the latest drama for the merger everybody is watching. But Todd, let's let's kick things off with the story that everybody's talking about, and that is none other than Biogen ticker symbol B I I B. Um, for our listeners, no other way to say it other than this is probably going to be the year's biggest pipeline blow up, no doubt. Um, but it was these late stage trials for a drug called aducanumab being studied for Alzheimer's that Biogen and their partner decided to can. Todd, when I woke up last Thursday, my phone was going off about this trial. The only words that could really come to my mouth was, Oh, Biogen. <laughs> yeah. Tell me your thoughts yeah. on what happened and tell our listeners what actually went down. Yeah, so, you know, bidding adieu to adieu, right? We'll, we'll call it that <laughs> instead of the long name. I'm glad you tackled that on the intro. <laughs> How'd you can you, Mav? Oh, my word. Uh, throw some more letters in there. Um, yeah, this is, this is a really disappointing trial. And, you know, it's funny because the first thing I thought is, wow, that's shocking. They're actually halting this trial because... In, you know, an interim review says there's no way that they're going to deliver on the endpoint. And, you know, I'm surprised by this, but really, I kind of shouldn't be surprised by this. Right, Shannon? Absolutely not. And that's why I have so many mixed feelings about this, Todd. On the one hand, of course, I'm extremely disappointed for patients around the world who really have no treatment options in terms of slowing down the progression of the disease. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because they jumped from basically very early stage phase one to phase three. Um, On top of that, going after a target that for the most part has been debunked. It's Biogen is now joining the ranks of Pfizer, Eli Lilly and going after this amyloid hypothesis. And apparently we're still going after it. And so there's there's I'm definitely not shocked. I'm very disappointed but ultimately, I'm just I'm just upset. I, yeah, I don't know whether you know investors have got to just be so disheartened. Um, I mean, just step aside for a second from obviously the 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 how bad the news is obviously for patients um, and for science itself. Uh, we're just no closer to having uh, a treatment that can tackle this devastating disease. Uh, but from an investor standpoint, you know, it's just so disappointing because 99%, we've said this on the show before, 99% of Alzheimer's disease drugs that have gone into clinical trials have ended up into the dustbin rather than on pharmacy shelves. There really just are not 
we don't know enough about how what causes Alzheimer's disease. You know, we were thinking that the buildup of these amyloid plaques, um, it, it, you know, on the nerves were, that were interrupting the signaling, brain signaling, we thought that that's what was causing the drop off in um, in cognition in Alzheimer's disease patients. Yet, you know, every time we bring a new drug into trials that's targeting reducing these plaques, they seem to succeed in, in reducing them, but fail when it comes to actually beating placebo in, in helping patients or improving outcomes. And that's, that's incredibly disheartening. It makes it very difficult as an investor to, to, to put any credence in any company right now that has doing anything in Alzheimer's disease. And um, that makes it especially hard for Biogen because a few years ago, they made this big pivot, right, Shannon? They took they 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 are best known for their multiple sclerosis drug franchise, right? That's what made them this huge mega uh, blockbuster uh, biotech company. But a few years ago, they decided to pivot towards these Alzheimer's disease um, um, therapies, and now investors are you know they have to be asking themselves, you know. Why? Why am I? Am I a fool to stick around? Lowercase uh, to stick around in, in, in with Biogen. I mean, what what should I do now? And that's the big question. Biogen, leading up to this point, I think it's safe to say has probably had the riskiest pipeline. You mentioned the multiple sclerosis franchise. That's been in decline. That's really been their bread and butter. And they also have, of course, Spinraza. Spinraza is their SMA drug. Um, that's really, I think, for the growth that they have been seeing has been coming from that drug. But even that drug has competition on the way um, in SMA. And so really the question has been, how is Biogen going to grow where is the growth going to come from? Because this was a drug that some analysts were pegging $12 billion in peak annual sales. Right now, yeah. if you look at their pipeline, there isn't anything that you can safely say can make up the ground for that type of growth. Um, they do have another Alzheimer's drug, BAN 2401, <laughs> that oh. they announced shortly after this uh, this this announcement last week that they were going to be canning this trial. They announced that they were going to be moving forward in this drug. And so now you have more question marks than you have answers, Todd. What, what do you think about that with BAN 2401? Yeah. yeah. I mean, their response, Biogen's response was, OK, well, we'll buy back $5 billion dollars worth of stock because we believe that the sell-off is overdone to, as a just in case you weren't paying attention that day um, the stock is now trading about a hundred points lower so about down 30 percent following this news so just a massive haircut so we're gonna buy back five billion dollars worth of stock and then they said okay and by the way we're gonna bring band 2401 into phase three trials and you know you start looking at band 2401 and it's like okay I can't really get excited about this this approach because it's the same thing again slightly different uh, way of going about it but you're still trying to improve outcomes by tar targeting these amyloid plaques that are building up in the brain um, and then if you look at at you know it, just Google last fall right Shannon um, to to band 2401 and look at some of the 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 releases that came out and stories that were written. I, people don't know what to make of this drug, 
because the the phase two data was completely mixed. You know, there's a lot of concern about how who is enrolled in the trial and do they enroll people who ended up showing, you know, who, who ended up skewing the results towards efficacy. So you don't even have a really clean phase two data set that you can lean on and say, oh yeah, but it's more like, well, we think everything is going to be fine. And I, I don't know whether or not that's enough for me to want to, to, to go out and buy this stock. And then you add on top of that, you mentioned, you know, their, their, their multiple sclerosis drugs are in decline. Their interferons uh, drugs are losing market share to the oral drugs. Um, and there's a generic version of Novartis Galenia, which is the second top selling oral drug. Uh, those are on the horizon. I mean, the patent's expiring and those, those are going to be coming out soon. So there's a big threat still that exists to uh, the SMA revenue. And then if you look at the um, the MS revenue, and then if you look at the SMA drug that they have, Spinraza, uh, Novartis has a, a potential approval coming for a, a one-and-done gene therapy, uh, I think in May. Um, and if that's approved, then who knows what happens to Spinraza's sales? You know, we, d we just don't know yet. Um, so then you have to say, well, they're going to have to acquire the growth, growth, right? Well, they have $5 billion in cash. That's probably not going to be enough to get a, a life, a game-changing deal done. So they're going to have to either issue shares or take on debt to do it. Um, and that could be one of those situations where, you know, the stock, kind of sells off on the news of the acquisition, depending on what that acquisition is. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a, a high-risk stock right now that I don't see a lot of reasons to be buying, even despite the, the, the sell-off. Uh, I was on a show earlier this week talking about Biogen, and, and really, for me, I'm looking at there are a lot of attractive, smaller fish out there Biogen could go after. Hello, Neurocrine Biosciences. Hello, Sage Therapeutics. I mean, there's a whole host. Um, I think in terms of growth, they're going to have to really start thinking about where can I acquire some late-stage assets at an attractive price? To your point, they don't have a ton of cash on the books to be able to go out and do any sort of transformative deal, but I'll be looking for that. And ultimately, I mean, in this space, Todd, you're either being eaten by a bigger fish, or you are prepared to eat another one. And so, Biogen right now, to me, reminds me a lot of Celgene, reminds me a lot of some of these other bigger players that just fell on hard times and ended up being a prime buyout target. So, I would not be surprised if you saw the shark starting to circle around Biogen. I think oftentimes they always are. But wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. They lost about $20 billion in market value uh, over the past week. So, price gets a little more attractive, I think, for suitors. You do have a core franchise. You do have approved drugs on the market. I would not be surprised to see that happen. You know, in, in there. okay, so just let's throw names out for fun, right? Um, one deal that might get investors excited if they were able to work it, and again, this is just complete guess on my part, would be if they if they were able to tie up with Vertex uh, Pharmaceuticals. Maybe that would be a, a cool deal that would get investors excited because Vertex has this fantastic cystic fibrosis um, franchise that that could really help respark interest in this company. But you know, time will tell. Time will tell, yes. Um, in terms of our other stories to cover, I want to make sure we have time to dig into gene therapy. Todd, you and I did a gene therapy show uh, not too long ago, and we gave some predictions about the next buyout target. 
That did not happen yet, but <laughs> Thermo Fisher Scientific, that is ticker symbol TMO, is beefing up its uh, its powerhouse really in genomics. A lot of people don't realize Thermo Fisher Scientific is a pretty large player when it comes to gene sequencing, and now they just announced they are acquiring um, a company by the name of Bammer Bio. Am I saying that right, Todd? Mm. Brammer mm-hmm. Bio? Brammer Bio, yeah. This is a privately yeah, you know, held Thermo company. Thermo Fisher, $24 billion revenue company with 70,000 employees. It's maybe one of the bigger companies in healthcare that people don't really pay much attention to. Um, but it's got this huge, massive life sciences business. Um, that, that, yeah, I mean, basically, if, you, if, you, if you're in drug development or you're involved in getting a drug from petri dishes to the marketplace, uh, you're probably doing business in one way or another with Thermo Fisher. You mentioned... The, they're a player in, in gene sequencing. Yes, they bought Life Technologies, I think back in 2014, spent $13 billion on that. Um, they're the second largest in terms of market share behind the Goliath, Illumina. This Brammer Bio deal is interesting, right, Shannon? Because you know they're paying $1.7 billion in cash. They're buying it from a private equity firm. And what Brammer Bio does is it makes those viral vectors, uh, it, it, it manufactures the viral vector drugs that you know, that all of these companies are out there go developing, right? So so this is a fascinating um, industry. I think the takeaway here is this is, this is just n- more evidence that, you know, drug development is moving towards gene therapy and um, everyone's trying to get a foothold in it. Yes, and Braver Bio, revenue uh, is expected to be $250 million this year. Um, so not going to be a huge needle mover for uh Goliath, like Thermo Fisher Scientific. But what makes this really interesting is just the opportunity. You talked about this company being really servicing a lot of these cell and gene therapy companies. Some analysts are saying that's an opportunity worth a billion dollars and growing potentially more than 25% a year um, in the future. So this is a huge opportunity for them. As cell and gene therapy, the regulatory landscape becomes much more clear. The pathways become more clear for companies to go after some more of these innovative therapies. I think this positions Thermo Fisher Scientific to really ride the wave of that. And when I saw this headline over the the past couple of days, immediately went back to our conversation because, Todd, you were very bullish on a company who does something very similar, a company called Regenix Bio. So when I saw this buyout, if anything, I think it served as validation. Start thinking about investment opportunities that are ancillary to the cell and gene therapy space. Absolutely. And think about these people who are supplying the the intellectual property or the technology or the products necessary for that. And that could go anywhere from the the gene sequencers themselves to the people who are interpreting uh, the data that's coming out of of doing genetic screening to, you know, obviously the companies that are are making these viral vectors that are so important. I mean, think of viral vectors as the FedEx of gene therapies, right? It's what delivers the, uh, the payload, if you will, into the cell that allows these gene therapies to work. And so, you know, we've had this over the last two years or so, this explosion in clinical trial activity in gene therapies. And what that, what's happened there is it's, it's obviously boosted demand uh, for these people who have the specialized um, uh, infrastructure to be able to create these or manufacture these gene therapies like Brammer Bio. Um, it's, it's also made it very difficult 
uh, for a lot of these gene therapy companies. They've had to ink some pretty aggressive deals um, or make commitments to build their own facilities uh, because there's just not a lot of capacity right now based upon how much demand there is uh, to create these therapies. So huge opportunity, certainly a space to keep watching. Um, on the other side of the break, we're going to be talking about the latest in the Bristol-Myers Squibb and Celgene merger news. But first, a quick word from our friends at Hello Monday. This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by LinkedIn's Hello Monday podcast. More than three quarters of Americans report a severe case of the blues on Sunday nights. But what if Monday became something we could actually look forward to? Hello Monday examines work, how to like it, how to change it, and maybe even how to love it. Each week, host Jesse Hempel sits down with featured guests to investigate the role work plays in our lives. And I highly recommend checking this out. The guest hosts are top-notch and really discuss ways how to create and nurture workplace environments you want to come to every single day, much like The Motley Fool. So be sure to check it out. All right, time to turn our attention to the latest drama, Capturing the World by Storm. And uh, this is what I like to call the Real Housewives Biotech Edition, uh, starring Bristol-Myers Squibb, that's ticker symbol BMY, and Celgene, ticker symbol CELG. And basically fresh off of a proposed multi-billion dollar marriage between these two biopharma companies announced earlier this year in January, I believe it is. Now the kids are starting to revolt, Todd. They're starting to rebel, uh, for lack of a better term here. Some shareholders are actually calling for this deal just to be completely called off. Before we dive into the latest news, maybe let's just get all of our listeners up to speed and give them some of the backstory here. All right. So, yeah, in January, Bristol-Myers announced that it's going to merge together with Celgene in a $74 billion deal. So this was this is a, a massive combination of these two companies. Uh, not everyone's happy, like you said. Uh, when we were talking about this uh, this merger earlier in the year, you know, I, I had said, boy, there's going to be a lot of Celgene investors who aren't very happy because you know Celgene was trading at a premium. Uh, to where this deal got done from you know most of 2015 through 2017, but it turns out that it's not Celgene's shareholders who are rebelling, right? It's actually Bristol Myers shareholders are rebelling, and you know there's enough rebellion to have people wondering what's going to happen when Bristol Myers shareholders get together on April 12th to vote on whether or not they approve of this deal going through. Um, just to give people just a refresher on what the deal uh, entails. If the deal goes through, then shareholders of Celgene will end up getting a share of Bristol-Myers stock, 50 bucks in cash, and they'll also receive a contingent vi- value right, uh, CVR, which will give them an additional $9 if a few key drugs that Celgene has in development get approvals uh, by set timeline. So that's the deal. Now, if you look at the deal value, that puts it at about $98 a share, I think, based on where we were this morning. And Celgene is trading at a pretty big discount to that. I think it's trading around $89. So Shannon, the rebellion is significant enough to have people wondering, one, whether or not the deal is is going to get nixed by shareholders in early April when they get together. And two, What's it going to mean for Celgene's future? 
Let's talk about the shareholders in particular, because you've got, uh, as you mentioned, a massive backing. You've got hedge funds, Wellington Management. You've got Starboard Value, um, who are some of the largest shareholders of Bristol Myers Squibb's uh, outstanding shares. And the concerns are varied. Uh, there's been kind of a back and forth, a battle of PowerPoint slide decks and notes being <laughs> passed around. Um, but really, it comes down to, in the way that Starboard describes it, we think this deal is ill-conceived and, uh, I'm sorry, poorly conceived and ill-advised. Very strong words. Specifically, Wellington is saying that Bristol shareholders are accepting way too much risk bringing Celgene on. Um, it really doesn't give Bristol any sort of differentiated science approach, and it really doesn't broaden their revenue base enough to make this an attractive deal. The other point, which I totally agree with, most farmer mergers just simply don't work out. Of course, you can you don't have to look far, but like Actavis and Allergan is one example. Allergan shares have lost 50% of their value over the past four years. So they do have a lot of historical data to back that point up. Um, I, I, I can't say that I'm surprised when you've got two management teams that have both had some questionable moves over the past few years. Can't say I'm surprised to see shareholders starting to stand up and say something. But um, I do think it makes April 12th, the day that is approaching, uh, where they will actually vote on this deal, that much more interesting, Todd. Well, yeah. And and let's put this in perspective, right? Wellington is the biggest shareholder in Bristol-Myers Squibb, but it only owns about 8% of the shares, right? Starboard Value owns a million shares. That's a, That's nothing. You know, has a million shares, big deal. That's nothing when it comes to how big Bristol Myers Squibb is. So, you know, uh, Starboard did put out that, I think it was like a 70 page slide deck. I don't know. I, I around page 50, I started to tune out. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, the, I think the, they probably could have summed it all up in, in one or two sentences. We think Bristol Myers should get acquired rather than acquire somebody. I think that really, really is the objection here. When when push comes to shove, I think that these shareholders would like to see Bristol Myers uh, be acquired by somebody else and not go out and use its its cash and its currency um, to take on a high risk deal like this. Now, Bristol Myers will say, "No, this deal makes a ton of sense to us because we yes, we have this." Amazing immunoecology drug Opdivo, and yes, it's raking in billions, and billions of dollars a year in sales. However, you know, at some point, the growth is going to level off for that drug, and we are facing some patent expiration on a couple other drugs in our portfolio. So we've got to figure out now how to make hay while the sun shines. And Celgene, theoretically, would allow them to put that cash and that capital to work to buy something that could provide them with a lot of growth. I mean, immediately, they become the number one player in oncology thanks to bringing in Revlimid and its $10 billion in annual sales. It becomes, it'll be a still a top player in cardiovascular because it markets the anticoagulant Eliquis, right? It has the potential to have nine blockbuster drugs as a combined company. Right, it'll have 50 uh, phase one and phase two clinical uh, trial programs underway as a combination, and and despite the size of this deal, they think it's going to be accretive to earnings per share in year one by about 40 percent. 
So it's not so they're this isn't even a dilutive deal from where they're coming from. So they're looking at it and they're saying, listen, we're gonna generate $45 billion as a combined company in free cash flow. Our dividend is at risk. Our profitability is actually going to improve. What is it about this deal that you don't like? <laughs> and Bristol has been on what I would just call a roadshow. I mean, they've been sending executives to New York and Boston to really try to to win them over to all the points you just made, Todd, to really solidify the fact that this is a huge opportunity for them that they think makes a lot of sense strategically. And to your point, will be accretive very, very early on. We'll have to wait and see what happens with that, though. Uh, you mentioned, I mean, of the shareholders that are revolting, it is a smaller percentage, um, but they do have a lot of influence. Um, having, you know, a huge, significant portion of shares outstanding is one thing. Influence is another. These are very well-respected, especially in the biotech investing world, well-respected um, advisors. So, we'll have to wait and see what happens here. I'm sure this won't be the end of our updates for listeners. We'll have to circle back on the next installment of drama in this reality show that continues to move on. But, assuming this deal closes, we're looking at maybe Q3. Is that right, Todd? Yeah, third quarter is when they're hoping to get this deal all final. Um, but again, it's all going to depend on how that vote goes on April 12th. And, you know, Celgene investors, if this deal doesn't go through, don't think you're going to get a big payday in the form of a breakup fee either. Yes, there's a $2.2 billion breakup fee attached to it, but that's only payable, um, according to Starboard, that's only a payable if somebody else were to come in with an offer and the deal broke up. It's not if the shareholders vote this deal down. I think if the shareholders vote the deal down, Celgene's going to pocket about $40 million for their troubles. That's it. And I think the probability of having another bidder come in at this point is probably pretty low. Not to say it couldn't happen, but probably pretty low. But just makes this even more interesting. So, be sure to stay up to date on all the news by keeping up with us here at Industry Focus. That'll do it for this week's Industry Focus Healthcare Show. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is produced by Austin Morgan. For Todd Campbell, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on. We'll be right back.